0: gang! Thanks for listening to our latest edition of Deep Dive. All right, this one's exciting. We welcomed back one of my favorite artists ever. That's John Cafferty of the Beaver Brown Band. If you remember, John was on last year, and uh, we did the whole career because he was just releasing a greatest hit CD. Well, we I wanted to invite him back to discuss their great 1985 album, "Tough All Over." This is the one that. um, was not affiliated in any way with Eddie and the Cruisers. So this was their attempt to kind of break out from that uh, from that movie. Uh, it featured the hits C.I.T.Y. and the title track, Tough All Over, both of which were top 25 hits in the U.S. and a bunch of other stuff. So we get into all of that, but what's really interesting is that John and the band have released three new singles this year already in preparation for an upcoming album of new material and they haven't put out anything like that in 35 years in fact normally for deep dives we have that theme music that you hear but i am wanting to replace it this time with some of their new songs this is day in the sun which is a new single and tell me this doesn't sound just like no time has passed since the last time you heard the beaver brown band right anyway i love him i love them I wanted to honor him by talking about an album that was not affiliated with Eddie. Just what they did on their own, and this is it. I hope you enjoy it.
1: It's been a while. Yeah, <laughs> it's been I bet we did tough all over, I but uh, I was I, I was very proud of that record. You uh, should because be because it was uh, was the record that I didn't know that I was gonna make, but it was uh, it was you know we did all that movie stuff so that we could get a record deal and uh-huh. when we finally get a record deal um i had used uh, a couple of the cornerstone songs that were going to be on my first record or our band's first record i should uh-huh. say and it didn't make sense without them yeah. it, they kind of like the um you know kind of the cornerstones of the record so
2: yeah.
1: um so i had to rethink the whole thing so When we started working on that record, you know, I what I thought what I was going to do, I thought I just thought I was going to record all the songs that we've been playing for years in the bars. Mm -hmm. And that turned out not to be the case at all.
0: So the songs that are on Tough All Over, are they ones that had been you had already been playing for 10 years or so at that point? No, you wrote them for
1: the album. Well, it was, uh, (laughs) you know, as you know, because of uh, you know, and and thank you again for your interest in our band. I you know, I love we, you, John. Sure I lo- I love it. your band so much. It's oh, Thanks for, saying. for me. We're, we're <laughs> you know we're like an old school uh, you know bar band extraordinaire. You know that you know the sum of our parts are, are much greater than we are individually. So we've yeah. always been a good team. So yes, we got great players. You know we got some good songs. We're we're. We very good at entertaining people, and, yes, and you uh, are. You know, fifty years this year. For I,
0: I know. I'm going to buy a fifty years T-shirt. I saw them on your website. <laughs> <laughs> um, I uh, so I was curious. Let's so the creation of the album. It comes out in the summer of 1985. Um, it prior now I, when I was reading the liner notes, I see that it's been recorded and mixed in various studios. Is that because? Well, first of all, let me ask one question: Were any of these songs sitting around and not selected for Eddie and the Cruisers, or were they all these you were holding back and in, intentionally for your? I don't know if you call it your debut album, but whatever, the first one that with your name on it.
1: Um. No, we we weren't holding them back. I, I think there might have been. No, I mean these these were okay. songs that. That we weren't playing, you know. Okay. We, I, you know, I, I had this record um, in my head, and, and and that we had been playing out in 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 the bars for uh-huh. quite a few years, and trying to get a record deal. And that was the album I always thought I was going to make. But but, uh, tender years and wild summer nights were sort of the cornerstones of that record. I uh, got it. And, you know, those were the songs that uh, Marty Davidson, the director of Eddie and the Cruisers, when I first was approached, those were the songs that uh, they wanted from me. Mm-hmm. And as before, I wrote On the Dark Side and all of that. Got it. You know, they okay. thought 10 years was going to be the best. That was the song one, huh? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. But, and they really wanted that one. And we had, had made uh, an independent single. Uh, like a 45, and uh, it, it, to be honest with you, I always like those versions. Uh, you know, uh, a lot. Uh, what and was the and, independent
0: uh, single? What's that? What's the name? What song is the independent single?
1: While Summer Nights was the oh, was it was okay. In ten okay. years, was the B side? Oh, got, got it. a ton of radio airplay, we Any in New York picked it up, and that's a big deal for us because we're not from New York. We're from yeah. Rhode Island. So <laughs> um, you know, if you played in the big city, yeah. That was uh, it was kind of a thrill for us, you know, and Boston picked it up and Connecticut went down to Philly out to Cleveland. I mean Kid Leo was playing it out out in Cleveland and, and uh you know, so we we thought uh, you know, we thought uh-huh. we were in. So yeah. NEW asked us to do a live broadcast um from the bottom line in New York City, which was you know just Legendary club there, and, and uh, yeah. it was uh, pretty uncommon that they would ask uh, an unsigned act to to do a live radio broadcast, and so we did. And uh, I mean, a lot of those songs were on that that mm-hmm. uh, tape that's still floating around the internet, I think. Nice. Yes. And yes. Uh, you know, all the record companies were there, and and uh, they said, "Nah, <laughs> you know, oh, you're gonna sell records." <laughs> You know, so, Man. Uh, okay. But you know, we always thought, well, who's going to buy records if not for these people that are <laughs> dancing in front of us That's every night? Who, who buys records? You know? It's like they have a big <clears> smile <throat> on their face, you know. Like you know, toothless Axel, the girls. That's you know, right. Prize. It's like you know, I mean, who buys records? You know, they
0: look happy. These guys look okay. Yeah.
1: I was so, curious. Um, when you- oh, go ahead. Yeah, but that was the
0: consensus, you know. Yeah. Okay. So when you are recording these, so like, for instance, some of it is recorded in RCA studios. Do you remember who else is in some of the neighboring studios as you're recording this album? Who are you passing in the halls or at the, you know, in the bathrooms or in the cafeteria or whatever? <laughs>
1: uh, you know, no artists. I mean, okay. we, we were running into artists, but we were running into um you know, we were running through, like, guys with, like, you know, with shopping carts, like, full of, like, you know, maybe, like, a in today's market, like, a quarter of a million dollars worth of microphones, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> so gear. with, like, you know, big, long, like, cigarette ashes, like, hanging out of their mouth, you know, you know, and these guys had been there for years and years. I mean, RCA Studios yeah. is not there anymore mm-hmm. in New York City. And, um, I mean, the, the size of the rooms was just amazing. They were like, they, you know, you could play basketball in these, I, these I mean, they were big, giant, like, uh, almost like auditorium size rooms. And, and uh-huh. you know, they use them to record, you know, Broadway cast, um, albums and they use them to record like big bands and stuff. So, um, they, you know, I, it it was sort of a legendary studio. Got it. Got and it. um, so we were kind of thrilled to be there. And we were there mm-hmm. because of Kenny Vance. Um Kenny, yeah. you know, back in the day was in J J&A and Americans mm-hmm. and we talked about this before, but his producers were Lieber and Stoller. Mm-hmm. You know, Lieber and Stoller, I mean, God, they they wrote Hoburg they wrote the mm-hmm. uh, Rock Kansas mm-hmm. City they they wrote, I mean they produced the Drifters they wrote stand mm-hmm. by me with Benny King I mean it, you know they uh you know they they were part of the big Bang of rock and roll and yeah. those were kenny's producers when he was a young man mm-hmm. so um you know so his experience was from the heyday from the old school of of um of record making you know where that had where, to have appealed to you. You're like that, well, that's just, a selling you know, point. We were for you, green. I, I mean, we were a bar yeah. band. You yeah, know, true. we were very good at what we were doing. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I mean, we mm. played 10 years. I mean, we could, you know, we could count the four and and burn the roadhouse down, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we were very good at what we do, um, and still are. Um, but it's it's um, you know, we had no experiences as, as a recording band. You know, when you go into a studio recording, is much different than playing live. Yeah. I mean, you want to capture the the spirit of the live show, but not necessarily. Um, you don't necessarily play all the same parts. Mm-hmm. You, you got to leave something out for the for the record to breathe. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, mm-hmm. there's too much in there. It's too cluttered. Like mm-hmm. more is less yeah. in, a, in a recording situation, which took a long time for us to learn. As I as can imagine you know as studio guys mm-hmm. and we're we're still learning it me and Carrie are making this new record and, and we're still trying to figure out well if, if if you play this part and I play this part then one of us can't be heard because we're both <laughs> playing in the same register you know uh-huh. so if I move my part to a different register up higher down low then your part shines you know so uh-huh. it, it's it's that type of thing. I get it.
0: So, okay, when the album is released in the summer of 85, do you guys have a party? Do you guys have, is there a release party? Is there, what do you do to celebrate or is it just like any other day? Are you at it playing? Do you have a show that night on the Jersey Shore somewhere? What What's the celebration or the ceremony for it? We're till forward?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure. Nick
0: Albums came out on we, Tuesdays back we then. Maybe you were performing at a boardwalk or something. I don't know.
1: We were in the middle of of recording stuff All Over. We we were just about done with it. You know, I had one more song to record, which was uh, CITY. I felt mm-hmm. I needed uh, one more song that might be radio friendly. So, mm-hmm. you know, I wrote CITY. And um, in the midst of all of that, the the movie soundtrack got played on hbo mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you know mm-hmm. we we were off to the races with all of that you know mm-hmm. and and so uh um, we finished off all full over but you know by by the time we did it all i mean we we were you know we had two albums to tour yeah so, yeah i mean we had back-to-back uh records that were ready mm-hmm. so um so it, we it was a lot of riding around in, in uh first it was in uh, the in Toons' banana yellow station wagon and, <laughs> you know that smelled like cigars. I bet and, <laughs> uh, and uh you know then it was like uh you know the twelve passenger vans, you know, we rented a couple of those and, and drove around the country and, and being from the northeast, you know, we thought everything was uh you know, just a couple hours away. You Know all the major cities were a couple hours away, and boy, were we you wrong. Know, it was, I mean, you're driving yourself in a van to get to the next gig, and you're uh-huh. out touring the country. You get out, you know, you know, past the Mississippi, man. It's like, you know, it's like, you know,
0: that's you know, where I'm from. I get
1: place, it. place, you know, yeah, yeah. And Oh, this was before cell phones and all that. So all we had was like you know, we had a map that we'd fold out mm-hmm. in the front seat, and uh, you know, we had uh, you know, some pocket change for the the, <laughs> the phone booths, you know, when that's we nice. could find, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's, it. that's it.
0: Yeah, that's it. Um, okay, where was the cover photo taken?
1: Uh David Gar took that. David Gar was like. Uh, He was a famous rock and roll uh, photographer. He was like this little sort of leprechaun looking guy. You know, he he Mm. was funny. He was funny as all hell. I mean, he would, and he would just like, uh, you know, he would line us all up and just like start shouting obscenities at us (laughs) to like. (laughs) But he was, I mean, he did the Allman Brothers. He did, uh, you know, he took the John Lennon picture in New York. He took, uh, I think he did an Allman Brothers. He did did um, Miles Davis. I mean, Whoa. you know, he was the guy. Yeah, and, and that uh, you know, Kenny Vance knew. Okay, Kenny was like, I mean, he was just a treasure chest of that he was. Of, you know, of the rock and roll dream and the rock mm-hmm. and roll story. I mean, he just you know. I mean, he just, uh, he knew everybody he, he, um, and he had like, you know, he had like a 15 minute story for every God. thing. Oh, that that that's he, the best. I yeah, was just looking
0: him up. He's still around with the planet tones oh, yeah. or something. Uh, I might reach out to him.
1: Oh man. He, 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 I mean, he's, you know, one of my favorites of all time, you know, yeah. he had such a big influence on my life, both when I was with him. Uh, you know, in the studio and we worked together and, and also um, it, just as a man, like, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, in later years, you know, when I became a dad and, and all of that and trying to, you know, b- b- find my priorities in life, try to figure out what was important to me and what wasn't, uh, you know, what, uh, you know, I mean, there was a time where, where music was my life and that was it you know mm-hmm. i was just a workaholic and you know we went out and played every night and then there was a time in my life where um my life was my life and, yeah. and music was my job that i was blessed to have i mean it's not a bad job you get up on a stage and and you, you play something that comes from your heart and uh you know people give you a round of applause every five <laughs> minutes like <laughs> pretty good job That's a good one. Well, so yeah. you know we're blessed to have that but it, it is my job it's not my yeah. life I mean it's part of my life but you know um uh, you know I had the uh, family and and mm-hmm. just uh other things that uh you know filled my heart yeah
0: yeah I get it um okay the album comes out summer of 85 it's on the it's on the charts for 32 weeks that's a long time it tops out at uh, number 40. Did it go gold? No. Was it platinum? No, it didn't quite go gold. But it was on the charts for a really long time.
1: Okay. We needed, I think we needed one more. You know, yeah. we, needed, uh, we, we had um, we had a hit with um, Tuffalova. We had a hit with CITY. Um, and then Voice of America's Sons was in a film with mm-hmm. uh, Sly Stallone. Yep. And, um, and we had we had a hit with a song called Small Town Girl, but it wasn't a national hit. It, mm-hmm. Wherever they played it, it was like top 10, number one, but they didn't play it across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Northeast, in, in the Midwest, it was a pretty popular song. It was very successful, but okay. we needed that one to break, you yeah. know. And in the meantime, we were out playing with uh, you know the Beach Boys and Roy Orbison, and um, we're out with Farner and Brian Adams, and I mean we were we were playing it some on some very big stages in front of very big audiences, you know. Yeah, that's great.
0: All right, you mentioned a track one is "Voice of America's Sons." This topped out at number sixty-two. It um, wasn't. It, it was considered as a single because of its success being included on the Cobra soundtrack which you talked about um I was curious in the in the in the lyrics is the voice of America's sons the singers of the old time rock and roll or is it the new younger generation listening to those singers you know what I mean or maybe it's all of it it's just the American spirit
1: you know like I said I mean it it wasn't the album that I had that I thought I was gonna make all these years leading up to it. Um, so when we went to s- start putting an album together, I decided that I was gonna write new material. So, you know, I-, I needed an idea. And I thought because of our influences, what I would do is I would write um, in different, the uh, sort of American music styles. Um, using you can our tell influence.
0: that, that's interesting you say that. There's a lot of different themes or styles on this. Yeah, side. so, yeah. You, know,
1: we, you know, we're you know we one of those bands that we always colored what we did and still do with with the music and, and the sounds and the colors of, of uh, the music that inspired us when we were kids, you know, like the music that, that we grew up with. Uh, you know, a lot of it is uh, American, a lot of it uh, was American music that went to overseas and came back with an English accent. But it, the roots of it was still, you know, uh, R&B and early rock and roll from here. And uh, so, so I, you know, the, the, the question is, well, what, what is this music? The, well, the music is our voice. It's the voice of America's sons. It's not my father's music. My father was, uh, you know, part of the great generation, you know, that, that uh, fought World War II. And uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, won these beautiful freedoms that we have in our country, but it wasn't his music; it was the sons of those guys and those Makes women. Sense. So the voice of America's sons—that's what I was thinking. You know, I says, it. "Well, if, if this is our voice, then what do we what do we got mm-hmm. to say? We got to say something, mm-hmm. you know." So I, I looked around, and it, you know, I it was the '80s. Um, and we had just come through you know like the the 70s where things were a little tough. you know it was the early 80s, so it was like 82 83, 84 and there was a, a, a resurgence of patriotism and all of that in the country, but it wasn't widespread. I mean it was there was, there was a lot of uh a lot of flag waving, but not uh, you know, it wasn't, uh, not everybody was, was reaping the benefits. So, mm-hmm. you, know, it, you know, I started to yeah. talk about, uh, some of the things that I, that I was thinking about that I was sure. uh, going on around me and having, uh, having the opportunity to get on a tour bus and ride around the country, it's like you, you see the things that shape people's lives. You know, where you where you go, you see how people grew up maybe a little different than you, that the, the things that shaped their lives were a little different than what shaped your life. And, uh, you know, we all have a lot of similar and the same core values, but, you know, the circumstances were different. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I came home with was a, a deeper appreciation for where I, where I grew up and the mm-hmm. things that shaped my life mm-hmm. and the, the, my family and the people around me. So, I mean, that was uh, it was a good place to start. So that's yeah. where the right starts. Voice and record. I love it.
0: That's I love great. it. And there's references to Johnny and a steel factory. And that's such a Northeast thing. I mean, Bon Jovi, Bruce, everybody's got songs with Johnny and, and just the plight of America, you know, working the blue-collar jobs in, in the Northeast. I love it. It's a great well, tradition to be dad, part of.
1: My dad, you know, in his earlier years, when he came home from the service, he was a steel worker. Really? So, I wonder yeah, if this was personal. Okay. Uh, worked for a company called Nicholson File that ended up moving to Indiana, and he didn't want to mm-hmm. uproot our family and do that. So um, so he took a job with the post office. Um, Ooh. But in his earlier years, he was a steel worker and he was a union guy and uh, shop steward and all of that. And, uh, you know, so that was was something that was interesting to me. And I mean, we used to go on a. Pittsburgh all the time to go see uh, Joey Groshecki and the iron city house rockers. And he was very involved in, in, uh, you know, causes that involved the, you know, the, the steel workers. And when that town was sort of uh, going through big changes and, and, you know, people were, you know, people were losing their livelihoods, you know, because the, the, the you know, like a lot of the, the work had gone overseas. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Um,
0: okay track two tough all over this was the first single off the album the title track we talked about it a little bit it topped out at number 22 on the pop chart it was number one on the rock chart the u.s rock chart um there's just something about that opening keyboard riff that makes me think about like fighter jets or something it reminds me of of i don't know why it reminds me of maybe it's the video to dreams by van halen there's something about it that it included the Blue Thunder, I believe, with what they were called, the Jets. Something about Iron Eagle. Anyway, something about this song from the beginning makes me think of Jets, you know, just gliding through the air. I don't know why. Um, great keyboard, great guitar accent. We should give a shout out to, is it Gary Gambini, Gramolini who does the uh, yeah, all yeah. the guitar solos and everything?
1: And, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I do a lot of shows, like, you know, benefits and stuff, you know, fundraisers for different causes. Oh, uh, especially uh, you know kids' causes and stuff, and um, you know a lot of different guitar players come in and they, they 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 play those guitar parts, and they're like, you know, I thought this song was gonna be easy until so I tried to learn <laughs> that guitar riff. That thing is like, yeah, <laughs> you know, some really good guys, you know, yeah. really really good guys that uh, you know they, they uh so Gary's like he's an amazing, he just. Gotcha. A on that guitar, you know, he's just unbelievable. I'm so blessed to have um, both him and Tunes, um, you know, still with the band. Yeah. The, you know, because the, the the three main voices of the band, um, or at least the stuff that sits on the top, yeah. you know, Gary's guitar and Tunes' and saxophone and, and my voice and my rock is still there. So, yeah. It, It's
0: great. Um, There are parts, there are guitar parts within this song that remind me a lot of U2. That sort of staccato picking sounds that are going underneath it all reminds me of The Edge or something like that, which is not a band that you would combine with John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown band, but yet those similarities in the guitar tone are there in certain parts. It's really interesting.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if he was influenced by U2 at that point yeah but um I think uh you know gary is uh he's a student of the instrument and uh you know he he he's probably the most versatile guitar player that i I've ever been around he can play so many different styles um so um he you know he he uh you know he's always tinkering and you know mm-hmm. I mean we used to have like plexes and <laughs> that we have put on a guitar. But a lot, of, a lot of it is old school. It's roots. It's very blues-based, but, um, you know. Yeah, there's something more modern. When it goes into the bridge and there's that
0: cascading sort of guitar sound, it's so cool. It's such a cool effect. And then the yeah. drums near the end and the coda as things are kind of building up. I love the coda on this song when everything just kind of gets heavier. Um, anyway, it's killer. And in both of these songs... Uh, tune's of saxophone comes in as like you know the grand finale, kind of kicking off the last third or whatever of the song, with the yeah. trademark Tune's sax solo. It's so good.
1: Yeah, he's unbelievable. He, he he's, is. He's still incredible. I mean, he's he's gonna be. Uh, well, he is eighty three. He just turned eighty. What? So what? Can, yeah. How can that be? Yeah, it, it's pretty unbelievable. Wow. What um, you know, some sometimes we have uh, you know, our shows are so long that sometimes we have another sax player sit in with us just to you know carry some of the load so that tunes can do all the iconic stuff that he does. But you know, at 83, it's like he, he just it's just amazing. That, that is can... amazing. Amazing like, track three the, is DITY.
0: Yeah, speaking of, he's not on this one. But this one was the second single and reached number 18. And uh, a friend of mine, Dolette McDonald, sings backup on this song. Her and Janice Pendarvis. And in yeah. fact, I, I emailed her to before talking to you, and she did so many sessions. She was like, honestly, I don't really remember any details about the session, but tell him hi because I remember thinking, what a crazy uh-huh. name for a band. So anyway, he, she was saying how nice you were to tell you hello. Oh, yeah, she's in the video.
1: She is, yeah. Yeah, they're in the video. They were unbelievable. Nice. Yes. Kenny, Kenny knew Janice, because Kenny used to be the, uh, he was the music director on Saturday Night Live for a oh, couple sure. of years. And, uh, yeah, he's done a lot of different things. And and uh, so, you know, she used to be one of the singers, Janice Pandarvis used to be one of the singers, you know, that would uh, be on the show. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and so he called them up and and they they came in and we played the song like once for them. And Kenny said, I, you know, I need a little, you know, and, and you know, they just walked up to the microphone and sang it like in three part harmony. I mean, they, they sounded like you were hitting three notes on a B3 organ. I mean, oh they gosh. were just unbelievable. You know, oh I, I mean, I think we booked them for like three hours. I think they were done in like a half an hour. <laughs> you know it was like, they were so good they just yeah. came in and, and then they sang it again and then kenny said uh well, well let's run it one more time and just take it to church on the end you know and they just started riffing and it was like all this gospel stuff <laughs> that's the best oh so that's nice. the best i love it also uh
0: a guy named jimmy braylauer works on this song as well his musical partner back then was a guy named Jeff Boba, who's been on the show. And um, I was looking him up, too. He, I guess, had he's credited as drum sounds. What does that mean?
1: Well, he, he worked with the uh, Hall & Oates. Yeah. And, uh, I think, I, 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 I'm not sure if I have this right, but it might have been the might have been the Big Bang Boom album. Is that, that Hall whole Oates? Big Bang Boom, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah right yeah, around you- that time. Um, he was uh, he was sort of an expert at this machine that uh, people were using in the studio for like you know just different uh, hand claps and you know just different sound effects that we were everyone was putting on records back in the eighties and he was uh, it, it was called an SP twelve in fact I'm sitting in the studio I'm looking at it right now yeah. um, big giant box of a machine and and he was an expert at it and knew how to you know, how to use it. So um so Kenny called him up and got him down and you know, he just did there's, there's some hand claps and there's yeah. some some noises in it. There it, is. There's lots of
0: hand claps. I love you can tell they're not real, but they sound great in the, yeah, it was in just the context like it was of the song, yeah.
1: Sound, you know, with synthesizers and, mm-hmm. and you know um using d- drum machines to enhance uh mm-hmm. the percussion percussion and certain rhythms and stuff certain sounds mm-hmm. and uh it's so a lot of studio techniques that um that we weren't well versed in mm-hmm. you know we, we we're like i said i mean we were a bar band extraordinaire we knew how to count to four yeah and you play you yeah, know that's it our fingers yeah.
0: Yeah, there's so. some. Speaking of synth sounds, there's some synth sounds in here that almost sound like a xylophone. Buried deeper into the mix, I thought it was kind of interesting. They, I know it's not a xylophone. That's just kind of what it makes me conjure. It conjures up for me. But um, when you reach number eighteen and number twenty-two, are you happy with that, or are you thinking, why can't we get back to where Dark side was, which I think was number seven? Or are you just glad to be like sustaining a career? Hey. Things are getting played. We're still doing well. Well,
2: first
1: of all, it's like, you know, that was our first attempt to record a record without the, the, um, the money or the promotional vehicle of a film. Mm -hmm. So there, there was no help there. Mm -hmm. There was just us, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, and we came out and to land in the top twenty with with a couple of songs was just remarkable to us. Yeah, and to come out and have hit records, you know, right out of the gate was, um, you know, because it it, it it one thing about doing those movie soundtracks that we were involved with is is that it uh, it it created the. Um, it was it was it was a great vehicle to get um, the music out there, mm-hmm. but um, sometimes the music that we created for those films is not even even associated with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so the you know to sell three million records and to have like a you know a number one rock record, and a number seven you know Billboard pop charts. I mean, mm-hmm. and to have like a triple platinum record. Um, that's, you know, that's, uh, that equates to a bigger success than, you know, for a band on its own mm-hmm. um, than what we experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, we came out of that, um, you know, with an opportunity. We didn't come out of it with, uh, with fame or or recognition we came out of that with an opportunity. We took that opportunity, we made our own record um and had hit records on it, you know. So mm-hmm. that was we were very very proud of that, Good. you know.
2: You should have been.
1: There was no you know, there was no you mm-hmm. know. There was no movie company kicking in, you know, like trying to get eyes and ears on on what you were doing. So Um, So we were very, very proud of that.
0: You should be. That's one of the things I noticed when we talked before, John, is you have a lot of humility for your place in the rock world and a lot of appreciation for the success that you had. And that really struck me then and now. So many people would feel entitled to more hits, more success, you know, bigger tours, whatever it might be. And it's always seemed to me that you... Recognize your place in the world as a really good bar band who had some strokes of luck that you did your very best to take advantage of, and you did, and that was good enough. It what didn't have to be, you know, world domination. It didn't have to go on for decades and decades. You did the best you could with what you had, and that was that was ha- that made you happy. And that's the impression I get talking with you, and I love that about you.
1: You know, we're we're. Musicians, I mean, with yeah. that you know, when we chose to you know call that our job, I mean, we we worked very hard at it uh-huh. and uh, we're very appreciative of the fact that the uh, you know, people came out to see us do it, to hear us do it. Uh, people liked you know what we were doing.
0: That sounds good.
1: Um- I think, I think that the work, you know, that the work, um it's uh it was the best we could do and sometimes you know in the music business it's like there's so many dominoes that have to go over mm-hmm. you know there's so many you know there's so many things that have to fall mm-hmm. um and they all have to fall for you to have like big big success mm-hmm. um you know as you travel around the country and the world i mean you run into people that are so talented you know, they're so good at what they do. Um that um never had the opportunity to even set up the dominoes mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to fall down, you know. Good point. Um so uh you know, we have you know had opportunities. Um I wish that uh we had a little more exposure, not from ourselves personally but for the work mm-hmm. um because i think a lot of the work uh could be, you know could mm-hmm. communicate with with i agree with, uh, all people i agree but you know what are you gonna do yeah you know I, know I get it what are you gonna do all you can do is you go out there you count the four you put 150 percent on the line every night mm-hmm. and that's it you know
0: that's it that's what you're good at um, okay, track four, where the action is. This is you were talking earlier about touching on different American um, musical genres. This is obviously the surf song. It's got those rumble drums, and it was. I was listening to it, thinking, is there a surf? I don't know. I'm ignorant. Is there a surf culture on the Jersey Shore? I don't know, or in the you know, uh, up there in the East Coast somewhere.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Is there? Okay. Yeah, I, you know, I grew up surfing. and my Did cousin. you really?
0: Okay, I wondered.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I, it's it's a it's uh well, it, you know the the season is much shorter. Although people do surf all all year round, I I don't put the wetsuit on and go out there in, in February. I, I don't <laughs> do that anymore. But um, but yeah, I mean up and down the East Coast. I mean, it, it, like where where I grew up in Rhode Island. I mean, there's there's a bunch of. Really great surf spots, you know. Okay. Um, You know, I I I should tell. I I did like three tours with the Beach Boys, and I used to tell those guys all the time. You know, where I grew up in Narragansett. I mean, it was like a, it it was like a like a Beach Boys song. You know, we used to hang on the beach. You know, your surfboard. You know, jump over the wall. So the lifeguards couldn't see you. You know, when you paddle out there. (laughs) Uh, You know and there was you know bars and good and surf shops and all of that um but there there was that culture up and down the east coast from maine down to maryland i mean there was was a whole uh, um you know beach bar culture yeah good so i wasn't
0: sure i wasn't i i wasn't sure how prevalent that was um i love how the song ends in that big go i love the how that happens too. One thing I want to mention, the next song, Dixieland. So in the previous, the first two songs, Toons' sax comes in near the end. For the next two songs, there is no sax. And then when we get to Dixieland, there's sax and it's at the beginning. It's almost like, hey guys, don't don't forget, we still have a great sax player and we're not even going to make you wait this time. You've gone two songs without him. We're going to get him right out in front. And so in Dixieland, from the intro, Tunes of Sax is right there up front. Am I way overthinking this? Is this Or is this a strategy you guys thought up yourself?
1: Uh, well, yes and no. I mean, they, they, you know, these, these songs um, exist as individual songs. You know, when you're writing a song or when you're playing a song in a bar, it's like you, you're not necessarily thinking of, of uh, how it relates to the song before it or, or, or the song behind it. Uh, but that's not true either, because when you put a set together, well, you, when you, you know, sequence you wanna, and stuff, yeah, To sequence right. But, um, it, but it would, you know, Dixieland was just a a song that called for, you know, that intro with the sax. I mean, I was thinking, I remember playing down in Florida, you know, when we were out touring, and uh, you know, I, I started talking about being from Rhode Island, and i say, anybody from ever been to Rhode Island, like, you know, three quarters of the audience raised their hand, they were from Rhode Island. I was no like, birds. wait a right. so <laughs> We came all the way down here to play for a bunch of guys from <laughs> And, you know, but the idea was back in the, you know, like the 70s and the 80s, there was a, a migration of, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of uh, opportunity up here. Um, coming out of the '70s, and, uh, and a lot of uh, people looked for more fertile ground, and uh, you know, so we wrote this song about, um, you know, heading down, heading down south, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know, to me, it, it, I don't know, I just sort of envisioned a parade, you know, a mm-hmm. parade, everybody, you know, almost like, uh, you know, Beale, not what, well, not Beale Street, but the uh, Bay. What, what is it what's the uh basin street right basin street, New Orleans, yeah. you no know, all yeah. where people are marching and mm-hmm. the bands playing you know a, a parade is what I yeah was yeah of going down so it's got like that party sort of atmosphere and you know, i love we, it you don't have a dixieland band but uh uh-huh. put the the horn in there and, and uh tried to create a party atmosphere it works. Dolette and Janice
0: Janice are back on BVs for this one too. Um, when you think of Dixieland, is it, are you imagining New Orleans, like you said, or are you just thinking of the South in general? Or what are you what what's where's the destination in your mind?
1: Uh, well, I mean the the you know from up here, I mean a lot of people ended up you know in places like uh, Florida or Georgia. They went to Atlanta. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, I have family that moved down there. A lot of people went, yeah, you know, they, they dispersed all over all uh-huh. they, the Carolinas, yep. you know, they went, okay. to the
0: Carolina. just the whole area. I wondered if there was one particular spot you had in mind when you wrote this.
1: Well, I was just thinking that, uh, you know, growing up in the Northeast and, you know, shoveling snow and, you know, the, the, the factory buildings and all Mm -hmm. of that stuff you know um it's beautiful here in the summer it's beautiful here well year round maybe not Mm -hmm. february but but (laughs) it's it's a nice place in this Mm -hmm. you know southern half of the state it's beautiful Mm -hmm. you know with Mm -hmm. where the ocean is and all of that and that's where i ended up settling with my family but um, you know, up in up in Providence and Pawtucket and Woonsocket and places like that. I mean, it's a little more, uh, you know, brick, you know, and a little mm-hmm. more factory sort of environment. All the textile mm-hmm. mills and stuff. And there wasn't a lot of, not a, not as much opportunity for kids. You know, kids, mm-hmm. you know, at coming of age. So they they would they would leave the state to go look for opportunity, and um, you know. I'd, that's what i was thinking when i wrote that i love
0: it um okay i think now we would if this was still on vinyl
1: we would turn it over
0: strangers in paradise this is kind of back to more of a straight ahead rocker um you talk about billy heads to california escaping a small town for a better life and i was trying to figure out is he escaping to california to become an actor or a rock star or just for more opportunities, or the sun, or what is it that's, what is it that Billy is going to California to do?
1: Well, you know, like I said, I mean, I, I you know, I used to listen to those Beach Boys songs, like we all did. Imagine, you know, that there was, a, a, you know, a better life out there, you know, like the California dream. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of that was uh, presented to us through the media. You know, as being you know in sunny California, so um, you know that that's where "Strangers in Paradise" came from. It Got it. Loosely thinking about the uh, you know getting getting out on the open road and, and, sure. and, and following a path to uh, a more fertile ground or or you know just something that uh, was more colorful than than you know the life that we had grown up with here yeah. and um and like i said it wasn't until i had gone around the country um uh, that i really came to appreciate um you know the life that i grew up with back here you know that the colors weren't uh they were different you know they were different than the colors of california you know the colors of rhode island the, the, the colors of my childhood and uh of my family and my friends, I mean, we, we had, we had a different way. So it was, uh, but you know, it, it's like everyone, uh, everyone has a dream. Everybody's always looking for, you know, something that's going to make them feel fulfilled. You know, people Mm -hmm. are looking for, um, you know, a, a sense of, uh, of self and of fulfillment you know i i happen to find mine by uh joining up with, with, with a rock and roll band you mm-hmm. know i mean not for everybody but it was for me yeah
0: you no know? yeah. i love that
1: um there
0: there are some bvs happening near the end and i was trying to figure out if they were you double tracked or if there were other people because i didn't see any other credits for this song but it it it's a great accent. Plus there's like a little bit of a bongo break for a moment that I loved. Um, there's some solo synths, some great
1: guitar solo in there. And I wondered on that. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, we, I forgot what record we were listening to, but, um, there's a song called I'm not in love. Yeah. Uh, 10 CC. There's a big airy background vocal in it. (laughs) Yeah. And, so, you know, I was talking to Kenny Vance about that. And so he, he said, well, let, let's do an R track. And I said, well, what's an R track? So Kenny, he's a great singer. So he uh-huh. went into the room and he sang off for like, you know, he, he just, and they looped it. And then he did it like, I, I think he did it like 12 times. So we had 12 really? singing R on a loop. And And when it, when the chorus comes in, the Strangers in Paradise, they push the button and and the R track comes on. I love that. Yes. But it was, it was just, uh, it was just a lot of fun doing that with him. That is great. That's a great accent. Well, Uh, oh, 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 go ahead. That record, you know, with Kenny, you know, he, he, he had a great uh, overview, you know, and it especially was, was good with me, you know, uh-huh. where, uh, he would always say, he would always say, okay, you gotta let it go. You gotta let it go uh-huh. it's gotta be on at some point. You know, uh-huh. a great am letting quote saying that, uh, you know, if they didn't have deadlines, the Beatles would have made one record. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. We need them. Yeah. We need them.
0: All right. Uh, the next song, small town girl, you mentioned it earlier. This was the third single off the album. It did hit number sixty-four, but you were saying it had a lot of regional success, just not mainstream national success.
1: right? Yeah, it was it was a it was a big record, especially around here. I mean, it was like a number one record around here, um, and um, but it, it just it just didn't roll out across the country. And at that point, uh, the record company was on to other things, and they didn't want to uh, they didn't want to um, you know, pursue mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, so.
0: It's too bad. It's okay. a beautiful ballad. And the thing that strikes me about it is how cinematic it is. I can see, I don't know. I can see kids dancing to it at a sock hop or I can see it. I can see kids like a, you know, it's all about not wanting to, wanting to leave town, but not, he decides not to, so he can stay with the small town girl. And the two of them kind of sitting on a boardwalk in like, leather jackets and maybe it's a little chilly out. And they got their arms around each other and they got it. I don't even know, but i am just, it's so, I can see this song so perfectly. The tone, the lyrics, all of it, you know, it's Thanks, really nice. incredible.
1: Thanks for saying. Yes. Yeah. I so was uh, Bruce Springsteen has a radio show that I think it's called From, From My House to Your House or something okay. like that. And he and he's like the DJ, so he uh-huh. played that one a couple of Did times. He? Nice, yeah. You like
0: that? One. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, the guy your 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 guy works the late shift at his dad's shop, and he he wants to get out. Everyone wants to get out of this small town, but he meets a girl, and she kind of gets him to stay. And it's like George Bailey or something all over again, you know, from It's a Wonderful Life. Well, you
1: know, it, it's. Uh... Yeah, kind of, huh? Yeah. You know, life, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it's... Uh, you know, ultimately, you know, it, you know that that is the prize. You know? Yeah. You know. You know, you're looking over my shoulder, you can see like a triple platinum record hanging over my shoulder. That wasn't the prize for me. The prize for me was having been able to do that and then being able to find uh, my wife, my partner, the girl of my dreams, mm-hmm. and be able to raise two, you know, wonderful, you know, boys with, 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 uh, you know, and 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 still live the life that had meaning to me, you know, with mm-hmm. my guitar and all of that, and, and uh, you know, that was the prize. the The prize was my family. It yeah. wasn't the record. And, it, you know, that, that, that's, you know, you know, when I, when I talk to people about the, uh, you know, what you're looking for, I mean, to me, that, that was the greatest gift. Right. You know, that. How that long was, have you been married? That's a trick question. Uh, <laughs> well, we got married in eight, 1988, so that, wow. uh, I don't know. 35 years. That out? Good for you, man. 35 years we were together for 10 years before that oh so. been a while so all good yeah all good.
0: good for you man yeah I mean um, okay second to last song more than just one of the guys um, there's some great sort of piano stabs in this one some almost the guitars sound almost jangly um, the corner boy Dave you sing about him there and I'm wondering is that is that like riffraff is that when you're teenagers or in your young twenties, guys just hanging out in the corner? I'm imagining everyone singing doo Wop" around a garbage can that's got on fire, and uh, yeah, something like that, you know. And yeah. uh, and uh, you're just like whistling at girls, and you all got beers in your hand,
1: and you're gonna go play pool later, and who knows what, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you're hanging out with the guys. I mean, you know, I mean, we all did it. And, you know, and then one day, you know, if you're lucky, you know, the girl comes along. Uh-huh. It stops you in your tracks and you go, hey, wait a minute, you know, <laughs> What's this, why do I feel like this? And, and you know, and, and uh, every time you kiss me, I'm more than just one of the boys, you know? uh uh-huh. you, you know, You're hanging on the corner, you want to be one of the boys, you want to hang out, you know, yeah. be one of the guys. So to speak, and uh, you know, for me, that was uh, you know hanging out up in uh, my hometown up in North Providence, and then hanging at the beach in the summer times, and, you know, and then ultimately, you know, being in a rock and roll band and, and uh, you know living in the band house with the guys. You know, I mean, I, I'm I'm someone who played sports. You know, I was on baseball teams, and and you know. I was always surrounded by a, a group of, of guys, you know, and it's fun, you know, mm-hmm. it's fun to be one of the boys, you know, like sure. hanging, going to the games and, you know, like you said, drinking beer and smoking cigars and swearing and, you know, all of that, Hard. but, you know, but then you meet the girl and it's, uh, it's, uh, if you're lucky. It it will it will elevate your Beautiful. your life. You read the, meet the right one, you know. I love it.
0: Yep. Uh, the guitar solo in this one is very Beatlesy. I haven't uh, listen in listening to this album. The Beatles don't come to mind, even though they're like the blueprint for just about everything. But this song sounds the most Beatly, especially in regards to the solo. Do you hear that? Am I? Oh yeah, that- absolutely. Okay, okay.
1: Absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean, it was a conscious attempt to or, you know, pay tribute to mm-hmm. you know like the, the English bands yep. um, and, and the style of songwriting that, uh, you know, that I liked that um, that a lot of those bands came back with was still uh, part of that bill building experience in New York City. Like a lot of the a lot of the early uh, English invasion songs, unless they were the Beatles mm-hmm. who wrote mostly their <laughs> own songs. Um, a lot of the bands like the animals and stuff I mean they were doing um they were doing songs that were written by people from new York like bro building writers you know mm-hmm. and um <clears throat> Cynthia wheel Barry man mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, Carol King and Jerry mm-hmm. Gar. And people like that and they were like little mini movies you know and there was a certain style that they played you know and you know like the like the guitar part is very reminiscent of the piano parts mm-hmm. especially and then gary had a 12 string you know and uh so we we sort of put like that sort of like english invasion sort mm-hmm. of sound in there and uh you know because that was that was part of the music that that was very uh inspiring and instrumental to us uh when we were younger to to want to even do this you know to able to pick up the instruments in the first place you know i mean mm-hmm. you, you, when you pick up a guitar when you're 13 years old and you know you you, you learn those first you know set of chords mm-hmm. i mean you just you can't even believe that you can mm-hmm. do it mm-hmm. and uh <laughs> it's just uh you know for some people they can't put it down You yeah. know. Yeah. Guys that I've been around, we just happen to be some of those people. Yeah. (laughs) We're down again.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's great. Um, Okay, last track, Tex-Mex. Parentheses, Crystal Blue. Is Crystal Blue a person that you knew? Is that a woman? Did you just come up
1: with that? It's just a a character that that I wrote. Mm -hmm. Um, The idea behind that that song was... uh, you, you talk about the beginning of the album is Voice of America Sons and the concerns. And, and, and uh, you know, the, the, there are beautiful freedoms and, and a beautiful life that was created in this country um, that not everyone got to share. As time goes on, it's getting better. Um, but, uh, you know, the idea was right. It was just the execution has been you know, a little slow to be inclusive of, of everyone as it should be, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, but these freedoms that we enjoy had to be, um, they were fought for. My dad, you know, and mm-hmm. the, the, the dads that I grew up around, my friends' dads and stuff, I mean, they were of the age where they were part of the greatest generation. And went to the Pacific, and went to Europe, and, and you know, uh, put their lives on the line, lost a lot of their friends and family uh, in doing so, but came home with uh, with a vision and 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 a, and a promise for a better life for us. And so, when we're talking about Crystal Blue. We're talking about a, a country that provides these dreams. It's it's a young woman who has who has dreams of this life of, of like uh, you know uh, that is filled with uh, you know what her her dad and her mom you know told her her life could possibly be. She would meet a man and you know um, you know live happily ever after. Um, that is possible. Possibility, but we also come from a country that is big and powerful, and you know, those that dream can be taken away in an instant, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, and that's why we have such respect for, um, you know, our veterans in the country and people who have worn the uniform, the men and women who've worn the uniform, and that uh, defend all of these things, and um, you know, because. a lot of them put their lives on the line and, and a lot of them lose their lives doing That's it. Right. That's right. You and I and our children are the beneficiaries of the sacrifices that not only the veterans have made, but uh, that their families have made, you know, so That's that right. has taken into account. So it's very subtle in the song, but uh, you know, she meets a man, she, you know, then Western Union calls on her one day and gives her the message and late at night she lies awake a hero's medal held close to her heart so you know uh you know her husband she loses the dream yeah because he went out and you know fought for the the freedoms and, and uh made the ultimate sacrifice so you know that 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 is part of the reality of of our country
0: yeah it is that's beautiful Wow, I got goosebumps just hearing all of that. Um, one last question about that song in particular: Had you ever been to Texas when you wrote that song?
1: Yeah, had you? Okay, but you know, but I I never lived in Texas.
0: Of course, no, I know. But I like one of the other songs. Talk uh, sings about Detroit, that, um C I T Y, and I'm wondering if you have been to these places because you were such a regional success. I didn't know if that tour bus or the, you know, tunes yellow station wagon made it all the way down to Texas. To yeah, influence a song like this, or if it's more a cinematic, you know, idea
1: in your mind. We hadn't finished the tough all over record yet. And I, we were on a tour because the Eddie and the cruises had come out and we were uh, sort of in the middle of finishing the tough all over album when that happened. So we started touring and one of the places that we played was obviously Michigan, and I remember driving by the the the, the GM factory and you know where they make Cadillacs, and mm-hmm. and you know we would, we had done a gig in town and we were just driving, um, you know we we were driving away. It was like late at night, and I just saw the glow of the factory, and I started thinking like, wow, there's, there's probably some guy in there you know, on on the line, mm-hmm. you know, building these Cadillacs and, you know, he'll never have one. He mm-hmm. but he makes them every day, you know. Yeah. And yeah. uh I said, Well that that's an idea for a song and I wanted to do like a sort of uh like a Mitch Ryder sort of mm. Detroit sort of tribute kind of song. Wow. And uh so I was so I knew I wanted it to be about that and I I just uh I just Wrote down the word city, mm-hmm. um, Detroit City, and I wrote down. The, I was looking at the word city, and I, and then I just put like like little lines in between the letters. I said, "Wait a minute, that's a rhyme." C T Y. I said, "There, yeah, that's a hook." where <laughs> itself so. found it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah but it, I wrote that song, but um, Love it. yeah, okay. and it, it, it's a tribute to Mitch and the Detroit Wheels. Of those guys, I got to play with him quite a bit, and you know, I'd be on stage singing that. And he, he, you know, he knew what I was doing, mm-hmm. and he appreciated, mm-hmm. you know, because then he, he would, I'd sing C.I.T.Y. He'd come on and do "Devil with the Blue Dress," you know, <laughs> yes. just, perfect. Yeah, Back, but yeah, he, you know, these guys. These guys that uh, we've gotten to know, especially the, the, the guys that are that are just a few years ahead of us, guys like Gary U.S. Bonds and, and Mitch Ryder and Benny King, you know, God rest his soul. And, and you know, uh, the Beach Boys and, you know, like when we were around these guys, like they knew what we were about. We were about, we were inspired by their music. We paid tribute to their music with our music just like they did with the songs that that they recorded um it and it's part of a uh, it's like a blues tradition you know like these Mm -hmm. early rock and roll um guys they you know you hear you you hear the things that inspire you you study it you learn it you you take it into your heart and then you try to come up with uh um you try to add to it you try Mm -hmm. to Know, do have something to say um, that comes from your heart, and at the same time, you 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 leave like the colors and the breadcrumbs, so that uh, the people who come after you mm-hmm. they can find what what uh, what you found, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and they know where you found it. Yeah, um, you know, it's like Eric Clapton when you, you sure. listen to Eric Clapton play the guitar. You know, you go, "Oh my God, this guy's unbelievable!" Right, but if you listen very closely, you can hear. Mm-hmm. You know, Albert King, you hear Freddie King and what he's doing. You know, and he's right. quoting them, you know, very yeah. specifically and very uh um uh, you know lovingly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is this this is what I love and this is where mm-hmm. it came from. Yeah. And you know, guys like me and, and the guys of my band, Gary, you know, we would go listen to the roots of that stuff and and be re inspired with it, you know. I mean, this stuff is uh it's uh, it's lightning in a bottle. You know, mm-hmm. the, the music is, is like if you do it right, and you you capture a moment, and that moment stays frozen in time. You know, and it's just as inspirational, like uh, twenty years, thirty years, forty years later, as it was the day that it was captured. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. just um, you know, for someone who's never heard it, I mean, I like, you know. I mean, I'll go listen, I'll hear a James Brown song that I never heard. And I go, Oh my God, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it, you know, it's like 50 years after you recorded it, but it, it's still, mm-hmm. still there. That's right.
0: Um, real quick. Let me, we can cut this out if you want. Can we talk about the cover? Because I have the CD version, which has the Eddie and the cruisers cover on it, which is unfortunate. It's got your name on it, but it's still implying that it's tied somehow to the movie. And uh, which is really frustrating because you guys deserve to stand on your own. I think there may have been some litigation involved with
1: Scotty Brothers. is this
0: something you're able to talk about at all? We
1: surely weren't happy about it um you know we we felt that those records were the work of uh, of our band um, independent of of any, you know, tied to a film or any imagery from a film or or whatever, you know, it's, um, so they, the record company, uh, they were trying to sell records, Mm -hmm. you know? So they, they misrepresenting what the work was. And we said, Hey, you know, Mm -hmm. we're like, we're, we're, we're the real band, you know? I mean, you can put a picture of an actor on the cover of this record and I can guarantee you that he's not going to make another record for you. (laughs) You know, I mean, that guy's not going to write you songs, Mm -hmm. um, but I could. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they just felt that it was a betting better marketing uh, strategy because that's, uh, that's just the way they saw it, you know, and it was their label. Um, they said you don't like it, the uh, you know get a lawyer. Mm-hmm. So you and, won, though, right? Yeah, but all they did was just take the records off the shelf. I mean, they oh, <laughs> that's it. Oh man, Package them and then they get out of the business and then they they <laughs> then it went to BMG and then it went to uh, it just went around the world again and then yeah. the next company put out the wrong cover it's like, i didn't have any money to be doing that stuff you know yeah was, you know dope. it's a shame robert tepper's
0: been on here and frankie sullivan's been on here and both have expressed similar things like we're really yeah. thankful for what scotty brothers did yeah we're really thankful for what scotty brothers did but ultimately they kind of messed up on some things that negatively impacted our careers but whatever um anyway last thing real quick you guys have a new album coming out eventually, right? There's three singles already out there. We're gonna play bits of them here. What uh when can we I when you told me this a year ago and I was like, I really I don't know if I believe you. Because all you know, legacy bands work on new material, but they don't actually ever you haven't put out an album in 35 years. And then sure enough, new singles are dropping from John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band. When is this new album coming?
1: <laughs> well, you know, I thought I'd be done with it by now. The songs are all well written okay um, playing them out and and uh you know i thought i would be done with it by now but it's it's uh it's you know we're 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 old dogs so it's hard to uh, teach us new tricks so uh-huh.
2: uh-huh
1: so we're you know we're we're putting it together um well you, you probably heard them right and, oh they're great they're just good, like right? no time
0: has passed
1: yeah it's beautiful so, but uh but to get the stuff behind me to sound like, you know, RCA Studios is like no easy feat, you know. So, because you want it to sound I know. a certain way, you know, you want to capture the spirit of the band and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, so, you know, we're there are ways to do it and, uh, we're learning more about it. You know, we know what to do. Uh huh. It, you know, it's, it's, it, it's like, uh, I, I think uh, Steve Martin used to have this thing. He said, you know, those French, they have a different word for everything. <laughs> it's like being in the studio nowadays because I know what I want to do. That uh, it, It's called something different. And there's a way that, that it's done, you know, it, yeah. and it's uh, – but – but I, I think you know me and Gary are producing it, and we're you know blood brothers, and sure. you know we're uh, so we decided that all the songs are written, and and the the album has a, a lot to it. There's a lot okay. of depth to it and it and it's more like um, the Thuffle Over Roadhouse record, where it's uh, the, the, there there are some serious subjects in it. Mm-hmm. As well as some fun things. So we thought, right. having been away this long, um, we thought it would be f- good as a reintroduction, release a few singles in the summer that that it. were fun. You know, yeah. the people smile and dance and go, oh, I, I remember these guys. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you no. Know, That's exactly
0: and, what it does. That's it. And,
1: and, and I think I sent you the third one, did yeah. you? Yeah. Ever- yeah, oh, of course, Blue Moon de- Drive. Yeah, that's going to be coming out. Uh, we we're putting it out for Labor Day, which is going to be probably going to put. Well, that's Friday this is weekend. Labor Day. Yeah, but I read that there's a big giant blue moon tonight, like a super moon. Really? Yeah. So I'm I'm thinking maybe that maybe that's a sign. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> you might have to hit press release right now just like, another you know, moon like this until 19 until 2037 oh man so, yeah so maybe that maybe that's a sign i might have to get it out today right to. My, like, you know, what Genius. we do is of, uh, you know how to do that cuz there's a way to put the stuff out so it goes on all the streaming and sure. all of that yeah yeah but it's it's not it's not an easy task to to you know to to get this stuff heard you know, oh, I know. processes. process uh, is We don't have a record company at the moment uh, I've been getting calls since the, since the new songs have dropped Good. Um, Calls out of the blue You know, people, uh, people are showing up that I haven't heard from in quite a while Which is kind of fun
2: mm-hmm.
1: And uh, it, so at the moment we're just doing it on our own So, uh, you know, w- without a budget And w- without, uh, you know like a whole lot of uh, exposure and ways to get it, so we're, we're just doing it on our own. It's sort of, you know, word of mouth sort of thing. You know, just to, we're just trying to make it exist. Well, that's I mean, one our, of the
0: reasons why I wanted to talk to you was
1: to get the, help get the word out. You know, and I really appreciate that. You know, I, I know that that uh, that that you know your interest in our band is is uh, genuine and, and, and absolutely. It, you know, really, really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, we're, we're just trying to, you know, leave it up to the fans cause th- that that's better than, than, you know, you can take out ads and, and papers mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. Or, but, you know, it's when the fans talk to one another and say, Hey, you know, JC and mm-hmm. the boys going to wreck it out. Mm-hmm. It's really good. You know, mm-hmm. um, that that's what, uh, I'm doing my part. It's going to be a good one. I mean, we we waited this long if we didn't have something up our sleeve. I believe it. I just started songs again. I don't know why I stopped. I don't know why I started again. But once Mm. I started, I just, you know, I I mean, I got too many now, Mm -hmm. which is a good problem to have. Good. Hopefully there's more. Well, yeah, John, I'm I'm grateful for what you
0: just said. My fandom of John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band has been genuine, and it's been there for 40 years. And I'm grateful for everything you do. I'm, I wish there was more of it. I'm glad more is coming. I just think you're special, and I'm so grateful that you talked to me.
1: You're a legend in my mind. Bless you. Thank you, John. I Appreciate that. Absolutely. Appreciate I'll pass the word on to the guys. Please do. All right, there you
0: have it. John Cafferty. Uh, now, this is a, the other, one of the other singles that came out, Send a Little Message to You, which is also good. And <laughs> in that conversation, he was talking about he wasn't sure whether to release that other single, Blue Moonlight Drive. They have, it's out there as well. So all three of these new songs are streaming currently on whatever it is that you use to stream. But tell me it isn't good just to hear that band do what they do so well again after all this time. And I hope you are, you turned on, were turned on to something that you may not have known, and we'll check out the Tough All Over album. I am, as you know, because I collect CDs, the only CD that I know of has the movie cover on it instead of the original cover, which is the band. So anyway, if you find something otherwise, tell me, but I love this album and I love John and I'm really happy for them. They're still out there killing it, all right? Uh, Hope you enjoyed it, too. Thanks, everybody. We'll be back on Tuesday like normal. See ya.